Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. died on the cross in order to bring us into his presence, which brings us and makes us born anew into a new creation, into a new community. And so today we are in week two of the journey to Easter, and we're going to be talking about notice. This sermon is called Notice, and what I want to try to communicate today is that noticing God, noticing God is the core of the spiritual life, right? Noticing God is the core of the spiritual life. And as Christ followers, we have maybe many of us heard the the scripture that says, um, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus calls all of his disciples, all of his followers to take up their cross, which means die to yourself. Give up your own rights and follow me. And the, the reality is that we cannot follow somebody that we aren't noticing, that we aren't keeping our eyes on. Right? Maybe many of us have pl- played follow the leader as, as a kid, right? And not, when you're playing follow the leader, no kid is kind of spaced out or zoned out, kind of looking elsewhere, right? They're looking at the leader. They don't want to lose, right? I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the leader wherever he goes or she goes. I'm going to follow. Or I like to think of it as like a, like a trailer hitch. Right? Jesus is, is like the, the ball of the trailer, right? And then I'm like the, the hitch. And I want to be so connected to Jesus that wherever that trailer goes, wherever, or wherever the truck goes, the trailer is going to follow. But I've, I've not done a, a lot of hauling trailers, but I've done enough to know that you, to do it right, you, you not only hook the, the trailer hitch onto the ball there, but you put two chains on. Right? Then the, the chains are there in case you, you hit a, a bump and that, that trailer hitch comes, comes loose, comes off the ball. Right? The, if that comes off, the trailer goes flying down the highway, slams into some semi-truck or goes careening into the ditch and you've lost it. But because of, of, of those chains, if you hit a bump and something goes wrong, there's these chains still connecting you to the truck. Right? In, in, in our analogy, the, the community of believer, that, that's the chains. As you're going through life, you, you hit a bump. You know, as, as Nina was talking about this morning, you, you hit this bump and all of a sudden it feels like you've been disconnected from the source. You've been disconnected from Jesus. If we have those chains, if we have community... We're going to stay there. We're going to be righted. We're going to uh, not lose the load, right? The, the driver can pull off. We can reattach and continue following after Jesus. We can get our, our eyes realigned on Jesus. And have you ever noticed that what we are preoccupied with, we tend to notice more? Right? And so we're talking about noticing this morning. About a year and a half ago, I bought that super sweet Chevy Sonic that you see parked there in the, in the parking lot. I, I know that all of you kind of take a look at it, walk past it slowly when you get to church. Like, man, this is a pretty sweet ride. Uh, but about a year and a half ago, I, I bought that and I test drove it. And I don't ever remember seeing a Chevy Sonic before. And I was like, man, that's a cool little car. It's good, good gas mileage. And so I bought it. And so in driving the, the car home, and then within the weeks following, I saw Chevy Sonics 
everywhere. Everywhere you go. Oh, there's another one. There is literally one right in our, in our uh, next door neighbor's driveway. Their, their son drives a green, like a neon green bright Chevy Sonic. And somehow I had never seen it. But then when I got mine, right, I was looking for it. I was noticing. I was, my, I was primed to see Chevy Sonics everywhere. And they're still the coolest car out there. <laughs> um, and in the, in the Gospel of, of John, the, the Lord actually revealed something to John the Baptist for him to notice. And, and so John had his eyes open. He was paying attention for this thing. And in uh, verse 33 of chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, it says, And I myself did not know him, But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. So at this time, in this community of the Jewish people, they were looking and waiting for the Messiah. They had their eyes open. They're all waiting for the return of the Messiah that would overthrow the, the Romans and that they would restore Israel to its rightful place to, to, to rule and bring blessing to the nations. And so everybody is looking for the Messiah. But this says, uh, the, uh, the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. And so the Lord who sent John to, to baptize, to prepare the way for the Lord, he said, this is how you're going to know it is the Messiah. The one who you see the Spirit come down and remain, that is the one. He is the chosen one. He is who you are waiting for. And so John is ready. He is on the lookout for this thing. And as readers of the gospel, by the time we get to this portion of scripture, we would have already read chapter through chapter 1, okay? And in chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, the author tells us who Jesus is. And so going in, we have an understanding. We know what to recognize as well. And I'm just going to show, talk about a little bit what John says, who Jesus is. So he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And so the, the gospel writer is saying, this is who Jesus is. He is God. He is the creator. He is the one who brings life and light to all mankind. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So not only is it God kind of far off and, and looking down on us, but he has come and he has, has become incarnate and he's dwelling with us. He became flesh and blood like you and me. And it says here in verse 17, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. And so we as readers know what to look for. We know who Jesus is and we are ready to see, is, is everybody else going to recognize him? Are, how are other people going to respond to Jesus? And so we are kind of in this place, just like John. We know what to look for. We have been primed to keep our eyes open for Jesus. 
And so today in our text, we're going to look at three different people or groups of people who encounter Jesus. And the question I want you to ask as we're reading our, our text today is, who are these people? Do they recognize Jesus? And how do they respond to him? Do they notice him for who he is? And how do they respond? So you can turn with me in your Bibles if you'd like, or the scripture will be on the, the screen here. We're going to read John 1, 19. We're going, it's a pretty long text today. I think we're going through verse 34 or 35, but we'll talk. We'll sprinkle in some talking in the midst of the, the scripture. So, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, well, if you're not the Messiah, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, he said, who are you? Would you give us an answer to take back to to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Right? We can't go back with no answer. You're giving us nothing here, John. Why are you baptizing? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, well then, if you are not the Messiah, if you are not Elijah, if you are not the prophet, why do you baptize? And John says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And all this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So the the Jewish leaders had sent these priests and these Levites out to to check out John. There must have been something like, you know, hey, there's there's another guy out there doing some kind of weird stuff. We need to, to make sure that, you know, he's not trouble, that he's not claiming to be something he's not, so go and check him out. Because all of the, the Jewish leaders as well, they're all waiting and looking for the Messiah. Right? That's what their hope was in, that the promises that they'd seen through the, the law and the prophets would soon find their fulfillment and that the Messiah would come to set everything right again. It's been 400 years, right? And we haven't heard anything. Maybe this is the Messiah. And they'd certainly run into a number of false messiahs. Jesus wasn't the first person who was claiming to be the Messiah. And so they had to stamp out these false messiahs and these false leaders that were rising up to, to draw people from the faith. And so they're looking for the Messiah, and they come to find out who he was in the, the thing is, their expectation of a, of a Messiah would have been a king, right? They're looking for the, 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 the guy who's going to sit on, on David's throne that is going to overthrow the, the Roman Empire. So they're looking for a, a king and, and a warrior, somebody who's going to lead them in battle. But they weren't expecting Jesus. And John says here in, in verse 26, among, among you stands one you do not know. And this word that we translate as know is this little Greek word called oida, and it can be translated as recognize. Right? Among you stands one that you don't recognize. You guys are looking 
for the wrong thing. You see, God has shown me what to look for. Actually, God had shown them a lot of what to look for, but they had missed it. He was not living up to their expectations. This is Yoda. Um, There is a little movie franchise uh, in 1977, 1978 called Star Wars. This is a picture from Empire Strikes Back. That is Yoda. And he lives on this planet called Dagobah. It's a swamp planet. He's, we come to find out that he's kind of hiding there from the Galactic Empire, waiting uh, for Luke or this, this chosen one to show up. And Luke Skywalker is the, the hero in the Star Wars movies, at least in the first three. And he, uh, his mentor, Obi-Wan, sends him to Dagobah to look for Yoda, the Jedi Master. And so, Yoda, uh, so Luke comes to Dagobah, crash lands, it's just a bad day, his droid's all muddy, his starship is stuck in the swamp, he's setting up camp, he's got this little candy bar and a lantern, and he's, he's kind of complaining to R2-D2, his, his droid friend. And all of a sudden, this little guy comes waddling into the camp and poking R2 with a stick and hitting him and talking all goofy and trying to steal Luke's candy bar. And Luke is just fed up. He's like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I am looking for Yoda, the Jedi Master. And then uh, as the story progresses, Yoda says, I won't do my Yoda impression. It's pretty good. Uh, 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 Yoda says, you seek Yoda. I, I am Yoda. <laughs> I won't do it. Uh, you seek Yoda, the, the Jedi Master. I, I am who you're looking for. And Luke says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm looking for Yoda, the Jedi Master. He is a great warrior, right? And we come to find out as we watch the next six or seven movies, Yoda was a great warrior, and he battled Count Dooku and defeated, he kind of held head-to-head with, with the emperor. That didn't work out too well, but anyway, Yoda was an amazing warrior, but he came in a package that Luke was not expecting, right? And so we could say the same thing, right? Among you stands one who you do not know. Yeah. All right, so that's kind of a silly example, but in, it gives us this idea of, I can just I can see Luke going, this is not, you are not a warrior. You're just, you're like two feet tall. I'm looking for a warrior. And so the, the Jewish leaders and the, the, the priests and the Levites, they're like, this can't be the Messiah. He was, he's just born, you know, uh, he's born in Bethlehem. My dad calls Bethlehem the armpit of the Roman Empire, right? There's nowhere place. This guy was born in a, in a, in a stable, in a, in a manger, right? This is not the Messiah, He's nobody. And so as we read this text, we can't just go, man, those silly priests, those silly Levites, they just missed it. How could they not know who it was? We're bringing in this knowledge from chapter 1. But the reality is that all of us bring expectations to Jesus. We expect him to look like this or act like this or do this. And when he doesn't come through for our to what we expect, we dismiss him. And we don't recognize him. And so where do we have wrong expectations of Jesus that can cause us to miss him? When I first came to New Day, it was called Redemption Christian Assembly at the time, and that was about 24, 25 years ago. It was... 
something that I had never experienced before. I, I came from a, a good Reformed, Christ, or Reformed Church of America background. You know, I knew you know, my hymns and I liked responsive reading. I knew what church was like. And I come into RCA, uh, Redemption Christian Assembly, which is now New Day, okay? And there's people waving flags and there's people dancing and there's people running around and there's people praying in tongues. And I was just sitting there going, what have I gotten myself into? What is this? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I would say that I didn't even realize that tongues were this thing. Never heard of it. Not, no, never, hadn't, and maybe if they talked about it, it was, I just missed it. And I never, we didn't dance in church. We had no flags that weren't bolted to the, the walls when, when I was growing up in church. And so the, the closest thing I could picture it, like, do you guys remember um, Indiana Jones and the temple, the Temple of Doom? Anybody remember Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? All right, well, there's this scene where Indy is sneaking down, and all of a sudden he stumbles into this cult, right? And there's these people, and they're chanting, and they're going to sacrifice this lady. At RCA, they weren't sacrificing anybody. But there's all this kind of weird stuff, and like that was the closest, like, is it, maybe it's like that. Maybe I've stumbled into a cult, right? And, uh, and so I was like, this can't be God. Like, this... These people are just wacky. This can't be God. But because I was dating Amber at the time, I still I decided I'll keep going to this cult. <laughs> this cult has a pretty girl. I like it. Um, and, and so I, I stuck around. But what I found when I was in there, I met the, the people, and suddenly I saw Jesus in these people. I've, I met people that, that loved Jesus more than I knew anybody could love Jesus. And so kind of all these trappings that I didn't really understand and was beyond my expectation that would have caused me to, to turn away and go, no, that's not God, would have uh, caused me to miss something amazing that radically transformed my life. I met Jesus in a way at, at that church that I had never experienced before. It changed my entire life. And so where do we have wrong expectations of Jesus that might cause us to miss him. You can ponder that. We'll talk more about that in the small groups this week. So in John 1.29, the story continues. And this, now we have seen how these priests and Levites, they encounter Jesus. And how do they respond? They don't even recognize him. But John recognizes because he's been ready. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the, the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. And so as we looked at in the beginning, John was ready. He knew what to look for. Right? And so when he saw the Spirit descend, 
And what, would that, what did that look like? You know, the, the other Gospels say that the, the Spirit came in bodily form like a dove. Right? You know, was it, was it bright? Was it a light? Was it a big old weird bird? You know, did he hear something? You know, what, I don't know what that could have looked like, but somehow John noticed. Maybe everybody noticed. Maybe everybody saw that and maybe they're like, oh, that wasn't anything. That was probably just a trick of the sun. You know, maybe that was just my eyes. I'm really pretty hungry. You know, I haven't been eating well lately. And, but somehow, but John knew what it was. Because God had told him what to look for. And so John was on the lookout. And here he says, I didn't know him. I, John's like, I don't know who I'm looking for. I'm looking for this sign. And so when, the, when he sees the sign, it falls on, for John, what would have been probably a pretty unexpected package. I didn't know him. Oh, hey, the Spirit is falling. Who's it going to fall on? Jesus? You see, John was Jesus' cousin. He grew up with him. They probably spent time on the boat together. They got fishing. I don't know what they did for fun. They played with those, those hoops with the sticks. <laughs> uh, that's from Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. Um, that was a few years later. Yeah, it was just after this. And, and, so, uh, and so, John, so the Spirit falls, and, and John is taken aback. This is not what I expected. That guy? And when the, the priests and the Levites, they didn't even recognize him. Oh, that's, these people are nobody. They're from Bethlehem. They're from here. They're no, we're looking for a ruler. We're looking for a king. We're looking for the Messiah. But John sees this and probably is like, I don't know about this, Jesus. But then again, he says, I didn't know him. He says that twice, once in verse 31, and then once in verse 33, as if he's saying, I didn't, I didn't know who it was. I'm looking for him. Now I see the Spirit falling, and apparently I didn't really know who that was. Apparently there's more to Jesus than I realized. And so John even though he grew up with, with Jesus, Jesus is his little cousin. He makes these amazing declarations about him. In verse 27, he says that Jesus is the great one. Verse 27, he, he's, the, he's the one who comes after me, the straps of whom, whom sandals I am not worthy to untie. And so in, in that culture, this would have been a very clear reference. There was a, a, a servant, you know, the, the role of a servant that was to take off the sandals or wash the feet of, of guests or of the master. That was not the, the role that the master or the older brother would do. And so even though Jesus appears younger than John, he says, Jesus has always been. He was always before me. He is the greatest. He is so worthy. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. That's who Jesus is. And then he says, Jesus is the Lamb of God in verse 29. Right? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And again, this would have been a very clear picture for the Israelites in that area. The people who were listening to this text being read to them. The Lamb of God we know who the Lamb of God is. This imagery of the Lamb was constant in their culture. They, there was a Lamb that was slaughtered morning and night in the temple for the forgiveness of sins. Every year on, on the Passover, they would slaughter a Lamb and have a feast, remembering the, the great Passover from when the, the Israelites were um, brought out 
of Egypt and they slaughtered the lamb and painted his blood on their, on their door frames so that the angel of death would pass over them. We know who the lamb is. And you're saying this is the lamb of God? If he really is, then he's destined to die. He's going to be slaughtered. How can that be? You said he's the chosen one. You said he is great. And yet, now you're saying that he is the one who's going to die for our sins? And then John says, he is the chosen one. I've seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. And so, again, bringing language that these Israelite listeners would have clearly understand. The, the chosen one would have kind of brought them back into this picture of God's Messiah, God's anointed one that we read about in the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 42.1, it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. This is the one we've been waiting for? This is him? Jesus? The carpenter's son? And so John recognizes him. John points him out to the people. He says, look, look, everybody, this is the Lamb of God. And again, this, this is a, a little Greek word that is translated, look here. And he's pointing them out. He's, he's basically saying, um, this, the first definition here is to, to point something out, which means the speaker wishes to draw attention to him. And so we translate it, look or see. Look, there he is. See him? Last, I think it was last summer, maybe last, yeah, last year sometime, Amber took Josh and Emma, our two older kids, to see Mystery Science Theater 3000 live in Detroit. Because we do all sorts of super cool things. Um, and, and, so they, and, and so there's this guy who is the host of MST3K. We watch, you can watch it on Netflix. It was, a big, it was a show when I was a kid, too, and it's kind of been revamped or whatever. Um, and, and so there's this guy, his name is Jonah Ray, that is the, the host of MST3K. And talking to Emma, when, when Jonah Ray came out on stage and she was just like, that's him. Look, look, that is Jonah Ray. It, like, it's that same kind of intensity, right? We can kind of, the, uh, the, the same kind of emotion that we can imagine. John is like, look, that's him. Yeah. There he is. Look at him. That is the Lamb of God. He's finally come. But this little word that is translated look here is actually used in a couple other places, very interestingly, throughout the New Testament and in the Gospel of John. In John 3.26, it has this, uh, instead of being translated look, it has this idea of take notice. Uh, The second definition is to introduce something that is unexpected. right? To introduce something unexpected. And so John's disciples say, to John, Rabbi, that, remember that man who was on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you testified about, remember you said, look, the Lamb of God? Look, he's baptizing, and everyone's going to him. Look, look, I just want to point this out to you. They say he's doing our job. That's, our, that's, what, we're, that's what we do, right? And so they're trying to, to draw attention to something. So imagine that, that John is not just saying, behold, look, there he is, but he's trying to draw people's attention. Look, there he is. That is the one that I've been talking about. 
And finally, it can also be translated as behold, or here is. So they're trying to indicate a particular place or a particular individual. And I thought this one was very interesting. The same word that we translate look is used by Pilate. But right before Jesus dies, it was about the sixth hour, and Pilate said to the the Jews, behold your king. Look, that's him. And this is from the the testimony of of a Gentile, a a Roman officer who really didn't want anything to do with Jesus. He'd washed his hands of it, but but he declares, Behold your king. Look, this is your king. And so we see this idea of look to Jesus throughout the Gospel of John. We need to recognize him for who he is. And once we see him for who he is, we begin to recognize him in our own lives. Right? We realize that every good and perfect gift comes from God. That he is for us. That he is with us. He wants to see us thrive. And when we begin to open our eyes to see the goodness of God, we suddenly can see it all over the place. Right? Whether that is when we're standing, you know, um, looking at the mountains. Last, last year sometime, I went down to New Day, North Carolina, leading worship there, and we went out to the Blue Ridge Mountains. And just, it's just incredible. We don't have mountains here, apparently. It's just, and apparently those aren't that big of a mountain. That's what Cameron told me. Cameron's always like, mm. he's always got one better story than me. <laughs> So, but I'm just standing there looking at this miles and miles and miles of mountains. I'm just like, God, you are so amazing. You are so good. Thank you for this beautiful creation. Once we realize who God is and that he loves us and that every good and perfect gift comes from him, we begin to to see him in the the good things of day-to-day life, right? Even in the, the craziness and the hecticness. Sometimes we're not super thankful for our jobs, but man... Man, God has allowed me to, to work, right? to, to uh, provide for my family, to do something that's meaningful and that's important. We see the goodness of God in, the, in the, the hugs and the love of our family and our friends. We see the goodness of God all around us when we turn our eyes to him and we begin to learn to recognize him and to notice him. And that is where community comes in. And that's why we're taking this season leading up to Easter to turn our attention to Jesus and to gather together in community groups to help one another race after God and to notice him in our own lives. All right, and so now let's just look really quick at the third and final group that encounters Jesus in our text this morning, John 1, 35 through 37. It says, The next day Jesus was there again with two of his disciples. So Jesus comes back, and when, when he saw Jesus, so this is John, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, again, look, the Lamb of God. There he is. When the two disciples of John heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And so John knows, knows what to look for. He testifies, declares, there he is. John's disciples hear him, and they turn and follow Jesus. And what's, what's important here is that John's disciples, at this moment, who they changed their allegiance. Right? They were aligned with John. They were his disciples. He was their rabbi. They were following him. 
But once John revealed who Jesus was, that he is the Messiah, he is the chosen one, he is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world, they did the only reasonable response. They changed their allegiance and said, we're no longer disciples of John. We are now going to be disciples of Jesus. And they followed him. They latched onto him just like a, like, a, like a trailer hitch, right? Wherever, gee, mom, you don't like that? You, don't, you do, my mom. Okay, thanks, mom. Thanks for your encouragement. <laughs> um, the trailer, they latched onto him and followed him wherever he went, right? And they're like, we're going to follow you, Jesus, as the story goes. And he's like, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I've got nothing. And they're like, all right, we're in. We're following you. We're all in. And so these two disciples and more, they turned their attention to Jesus and follow him. They recognized him. They noticed him. Right? They became aware of who he was. This is the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah that we've all been waiting for. This is the chosen one that the prophets and the law have testified. And they responded correctly. They followed him. And so the question, again, is will you notice God for who he is in your life? That he is the one that, that demands our allegiance. He is the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. He is the, the one who restores us so that we can be brought back into right relationship with God. And for these disciples, this was not just a like a one-time decision or just kind of a mental ascent. Oh, okay, that, oh, that's the Lamb of God? Great, good, good to know. I'm going to notate that. John, let's keep moving. No, they, they, uh, they this, how do I say this? this? This new allegiance or this turning to Jesus wasn't a, a one-time event. It was a daily following, a daily submission, a daily laying down their lives to serve the Messiah and to serve the, the community that he had come to save. And so it's not just a one-time decision. It's learning to recognize Jesus every day in the spectacular and in the ordinary. And so again, we'll finish where we started. The, 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 The core of the spiritual life is learning to notice God. And if we want to draw close to God, if we want to be continually filled with the Spirit, if we want to live the full, abundant lives that Jesus has for us, we need to learn to notice God and be thankful for Him in our lives. And that is, again, where community can come in. When bumps in life tear us off of of the hitch of Jesus, Right, The, the chains of community help us stay connected. And so we're so excited about these community groups that are happening throughout the week. Uh, I heard amazing reports over the, this, this last week. There was, I think there were six or seven groups in Kalamazoo. There's one at New Day Vine, and there's two groups here. And just heard great reports of people getting to know people and people who'd never met sitting down in the same room together and building relationships. And it was just very, very encouraging. So I, I just want you guys to to take advantage of this opportunity on Tuesday or Wednesday nights here in Vandalia. Uh, well, once, I can't remember. Here on Tuesday, here on Wednesday, 
and at the Yoders on Tuesday. There, I knew it. And it's not too late. You can jump in. Even if you happen to miss week one, uh, jump in. It's going to be a really, really good time. Um, so yeah, so with that, let's just close in prayer, shall we? Father God, we love you. We're so grateful for you. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. That you sent Jesus to be the, the lamb, the sacrifice to take the penalty of, of our sin. That we could be restored into relationship with you. That we could be brought into the community of believers. And that we can turn our eyes to you. That we can notice you in the highs and the lows of life. Lord, we thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Lord, we thank you for this great community that you have placed and that you've brought us into here in Vandalia and the community of believers across the world. Lord, we just love you and we're grateful for you. Help us to notice you every moment of every day. In your name we pray. Amen.